everyone and welcome to Picture the Scene podcast with me, Rachel. And me, Andrew. So guys, as you may have guessed, we've switched up a little with this one and yours truly will be taking you on a journey through time and back to the scene of the crime. But before we get started, I have been asked to remind you of a couple of things. First of all, this is a true crime podcast, so listener caution is advised. We'd also absolutely love to hear from you. So please do go check out our socials, Instagram, Facebook, etc., And soon to be YouTube and TikTok. We are planning TikTok. on stepping. Huh? TikTok, Rachel. TikTok. Oh, Why, what did I say? Tick, you said TikTok, but I mean, I'm about 30 years too old for TikTok. <laughs> well, I was just about to say that we're planning on stepping well out of our comfort zone on the latter two, because I think even I'm too old for TikTok. So, uh, so yeah, I thought I'd mispronounced it there, Andrew. No. Um, but yeah, if you'd like to interact, follow or give us your feedback, please head over to those socials and keep an eye out for our new socials coming soon. So Andrew, how have you been since we last recorded? I've, I've been good. It feels a little bit weird. You being on that side, but yeah, I've been good. Thank you. Had a few days trust off. Trust me. Nice, nice. I was going to say, trust me, it feels weird for me too. It should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Good, good. Yeah, so did you do anything nice with your time off? Um, just trying to get like the house sorted and some decorators in and um, get some Xbox in and stuff like that, you know, important stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit of downtime. What about yourself? Well, yes, all good, all good. I've been um, nervously waiting for this pod uh, for a fortnight, so uh, it's it's been a mix of like trying to think about this get all the usual stuff done with my daughter and home life and uh, and yeah busy busy and work as well so the usual juggle but can I just say like absolute newfound respect for you and everyone else that creates content weekly and fortnightly this has consumed a good amount of my weekend and some like nights thinking what the hell am I going to do so uh, yeah hats off to you nice work and and on that like you've done the previous 11 episodes this is episode 12 today which I, I think is amazing but the fact that you did the first 11 nice work Andrew nice work no bother no bother yeah, so um, we had actually, because we were coming up to 12 episodes, we decided to have a bit of a planning session. Um, that's what I do for a living. So why not take uh, take it and apply it to the pod? Um, so we're super excited to see what's to come for Picture the Scene over the next 12 months. And, you know, we'll look forward to sharing some of that with you over, over the next couple of months. Yep, we're going to take it over the world, basically. <laughs> One crime scene at a time. Yeah. Um, yeah, finally, and I, I feel like this is going to be at risk of becoming a bit of an Oscar speech, but I just haven't had the opportunity to chat much about this. So I just wanted to say how psyched I was about Bethan giving us a mention on Seeing Red. I absolutely love that pod and regularly get messages from my friends who are also now addicted. Um, Mark and Bethan are both epic hosts, so it was really amazing to hear the shout out. Um, and I will stop fangirling about Seeing Red soon yeah. enough i'm sure um but also many thanks for a double shout out from adam over at the uk true crime podcast the other week um i am making my way through your archives adam what a great show 
Um, so yeah, plenty of content for me to listen to when I'm getting out for my daily walks. So thank you for that. And if there's a tiny chance that any of our listeners don't already, please go over to your pod place and give those podcasts a listen. And I can promise you, you won't regret it. Okay, then, Andrew, should we get into the episode? Yes, let's do it. I'm excited. Cool. So if it's safe for you to do so, I'd like all of you to relax, close your eyes and picture the scene. Today, we're taking you back to Sunday, the 14th of August, 2011. It's a warm summer's afternoon in St. Helier, Jersey. As it's August, you know it's going to be hot. I'm talking peak British summer kind of heat. Well, at least 10 years ago, um, pre all this global warming. Uh, The temperature reached a high of 20 degrees Celsius this day. That's around 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Plenty hot enough to have family and friends round for a barbecue, which is exactly what Damien Rosowski, a 31-year-old foreman's assistant, had in mind for the afternoon. Having just returned from a trip to see their extended Polish family, unpacking his luggage and settling into a relaxed Sunday before the back-to-work routine started the following day was far from his mind. Instead, firing at the barbecue and opening up that duty-free whiskey was on top of the priority list, and who can blame him? Savoring every last minute of their family adventures together. Sounds like perfect. Was... Oh, I'm yeah. Sorry. I love a good barbecue, and family time is the most important time, don't you think? Absolutely, and any opportunity to extend the holiday like for the right until the 11th hour, I'm all up for. So the Rosowski family have traveled by car all the way from Poland to St. Marlowe, just for context, that's around a thousand miles, one way trip. And that's to take the overnight ferry back home. That's amassing a total of 23 hours travel time. Wow. Yes, exactly. And Damien was behind the wheel the whole time. So that must have definitely taken its toll at the end of the trip. Couldn't have been looking forward to that as they were coming to a close in Poland. So back to the scene. It's 8 a.m. in the morning and the family have just arrived at their flat in Victoria Crescent, a quiet Victorian terrace on the outskirts of St. Helier. Isabella Rosowska, 30-year-old wife of Damien, sets about inviting her best friend and neighbour Martha over for a celebratory barbecue, likely looking forward to catching up on local news and gossip she'd missed whilst out in Poland. What were they celebrating? Well, I think it's just the end of the summer. The girls are about to go back to school. I definitely got the feeling that the ladies like to party. Some news reports said that um, when they both first moved to Poland, they had gone like on the dance floor, always out in the bars and clubs, but they definitely kind of exchanged that once children came along for the um, drinks uh, at home in the family setting, you know, kind of trading in one for the other. So I think it, it was more of a celebration for them just being back together. They, um, in, in Jersey, like I think it's around 40% of the population um, are, are Polish. So they definitely have like extended family. Um, it's a population, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Very big, like second home, if you like, in, in Jersey. And it's great because um, culturally, that means there's lots of like different restaurants and um, bars and, um, you know, that kind of like, it's got a real um, feel of like plenty of different cities in, in Jersey, which is nice. I used to live there. Um, like, oh, very nice. 
maybe like 13, 14 years ago. So, yeah, cool. So Marta does not hesitate to accept the invite and brings along her five-year-old daughter, Julia, too. That's to keep Isabella's daughter and her son, that's Kinga and Casper, company for the afternoon. The pair were said to be inseparable due to their close age and living proximity. But Marta's husband decides to stay at home with their other daughter, leaving Marta and Julia to enjoy an afternoon in the sun with their friends. So Isabella and her father, Marek, who also lives with them, set off to collect Marta and Julia at around 12.30pm, leaving Damien with his two young children home alone. However, when Isabella returns shortly after, she finds both children alone in the flat with Damien nowhere to be found. Ooh, where did he go? Is he dead? <laughs> no, we haven't quite got there yet, but he does return shortly after. And actually, it's commented in the news articles that he refused uh, to give his whereabouts, where he'd been or why he'd left the children on their own. So with no explanation of where he'd been, as you can imagine, Isabella was furious with him. Neighbours reported raised voices at around 1pm that afternoon. However, the family did continue with their barbecue plan shortly after. Isabella obviously didn't give the disagreement another thought as she set about entertaining her guests in the back garden. And Damien actually just settles himself into barbecue duties. Um, I actually read a couple of articles that quoted he was cooking sausages. I found that quite like informative um for a man uh you know he's going to go on and do what he's about to do um but they did also comment about him continuing to enjoy the whiskey uh well yes and he can't beat a good polish sausage can you so (laughs) absolutely absolutely um anything on the barbecue is uh i'm a fan of so that's that's good for me um at this point i just wanted to highlight that damien has been awake for circa 29 hours So he didn't sleep on the boat, he didn't rest on the return trip from Poland, and he's gone into full swing, you know, barbecue mode when coming home. That really messes you, especially when you're drinking, because I used to work nights, and when you're coming off your end of your night shift, I used to stay awake through the day, and it'd go past 24 hours, and it it really messes with you, especially, yeah, I'd alcohol on top of that, that's not a... A good combination and possibly other things if it disappeared normally when someone disappears it's to pick something up which they don't want people to know about isn't it so yeah absolutely um and it was never reported on what he left for who he left to see which i found was really quite strange but i think obviously what goes on to happen took the the brunt of the the uh, kind of press and news articles okay. but interestingly Oh, sorry, go on. No, no, I was going to say, let's get there. But but interesting, I like interesting things. Carry on. Oh, yeah. Interestingly, they say sleep deprivation is a form of torture. It is. Um, Yeah, I can definitely vouch for that. Um, My my daughter did not sleep for years. (laughs) So uh, I I felt tortured. You know, obviously nowhere near as tortured as um, others might might feel, you know, 29 hours straight without without resting. And driving as well. special. Driving, you've got to concentrate and your eyes get tired. It's not just like 29 hours sat at home watching like Coronation Street or something. It's actually having to keep your mind alert all the time. 
Absolutely. And that's an important thing. It's like, you know, obviously, like you say, driving, it's very easy if you're on motorways to drift as well. Like, you know, the noise of the car tires on the motorway and the, the constant lights and cat's eyes in, in your eyes, like in your eye line, it just is monotonous, isn't it? So I'm half hoping now I know <laughs> that he's a he's a uh, criminal. I'm half hoping his biggest crime was just burning the sausages, but I have a feeling it's not. Not quite. It wasn't a slow news day in Jersey that day, I'm afraid. Um, but what I will say is I'm really sorry to have kind of given the game away there because I was hoping to really build the suspense and make you wonder. But, but I, yeah, I, I, like that. I, I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> oh, OK, OK. So back to the scene. And with their bellies full of delicious food, everyone retires inside a welcome break from the hot afternoon sun. Marek, Isabella's father, is watching TV on a couch in his bedroom. Two-year-old Casper is sitting on his chair in the dining room playing with his toys. Kinga is painting in the living room with Julia and Marta close by. And Isabella is watching over and supervising the afternoon activities. It's around 2.50pm when Damien heads into Marek's bedroom, two kitchen knives in hand. He brandishes the knives and stabs Marek multiple times. A strategic move, given he's the only other male in the household. Yeah. So, he just, like... so, he's, so I'm trying to picture the scene here, Rachel, uh, to coin yeah. a phrase. And he's, he's cooking sausages on a barbecue. Yep. And then what he just goes in the house, picks two knives up and goes and stabs his father-in-law. Yeah, exactly. His, his whereabouts can't be accounted for minute by minute in the lead up. But he um, has gone, he's escalated from, yeah, wrapping up in the garden, cooking the sausages to um, like the switch that flips and he just goes for it. And actually it's reported that the violence came back so quickly, Marek barely moved from the spot he was sitting in um, when the nine stabs were, were administered oh. to him. Um, but that was quite a short frenzied attack. And then there was one final knife plunged into Marek's spinal cord, which severed Ooh. it completely. But nine, yeah. that's, nine is, nine is, yeah, that's, that's anger. That's hatred, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Yeah. And do you know what was quite frustrating from my perspective and I don't know whether you found this, but like I said, it's the first time I was approaching something like this, but the amount of news outlets that reported obscene amounts of of um wounds versus like the more kind of tailored newspapers and um researchers that were more like accurate and obviously like one or two can't be um can't be helped sometimes like oh hearsay somebody says 12 and somebody hears 13 kind of thing but I'm you know in some cases some of the reports I was reading they you know I just immediately dismissed the article because I was like it's it they're just they're almost glorifying the attack sometimes when yeah. when they go a bit wild but no this definitely was um a really angry attack um one of the paramedics paramedics um when he arrived on the scene was was quoted as saying like he he was just in disbelief like obviously yeah. needing to do a job but just in absolute disbelief at the amount of blood and and also um, stabbing him nine times that means and if the last one i'm thinking out loud here rage but the last one severed his spinal cord you've got to have some power to do that but also that means he was attacking him from behind yep yeah. um i will actually go on to explain like oh, 
my bad. No, 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 with my rec, like I didn't. So um, it's a really interesting point, but um, I'll go on to explain a little bit more about his um, tactics, for want of, a, want of a better word, of, of how he stabs his, his victims. Okay. Um, but that, but believe it or not, Marek is still alive. Wow. Um, but satisfied that his job is done, Damien leaves him and the knife in his back. So Damien is now one knife in hand. Um, and Damien moves on to the living room. But miraculously, as I say, 56-year-old Marek has survived the attack. Um, and he starts to crawl slowly into the living room. Um, obviously unable to use his legs. Um, but this 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 is in an attempt to protect the children and alert oh. the the adults of of what's about to happen. The child um, in the living room. Yeah, yeah, and you know this is where it it gets really savage because I'm I'm afraid to say that he he doesn't make it in time to to warn um, to warn everyone. Um, just one more side note that I didn't pop into the script. I'm going a bit off script here, but when the paramedics attended the scene, Marek was still um, faintly breathing. Um, so just for, for context, um, um, when, when they attended approximately 15 minutes after um, the, the initial knife attack, uh, Marek was still in the hallway faintly breathing so that man's fight for his life was um insane really Massive, yeah yeah okay so on to damien's next victim which was unfortunately his son casper who was stabbed six times in the chest how old is casper he again, then, sorry so um, how old is casper no, it's fine. So um, it's a really good point. I didn't mention Casper's age. Casper at the time of the stabbing was two years old. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, so so Casper in his chair at the dining table, helpless, slumps forward, and several further stab wounds are administered to his back. Um, so just, just for a moment there, like Damien's not even clicked, you know, that his that he's hurt his son at the point that his body slumps forward he just carries on like in a blind almost in a blind rage i th i feel um and and casper at this stage falls to the floor dead oh, uh, old. i know i know and uh you know absolutely helpless again it wasn't reported whether the the chair was a high chair or, or, or just like a, a chair with a booster seat on um, for him to be able to reach the dining table. But, um, but yeah, he, he, like Damien, just didn't let up on him. Um, there, was, there was no escaping what, um, what happened. So back to um, Damien's rampage and he's hell-bent on continuing um, with the violence and moves towards his daughter, Kinga. So uh, King is still painting, and I'm going to assume that King is painting on the floor, right. um, but we're, we're not kind of told of her, her position in the household. Now, King is stabbed a total of 13 times. Oh. Again, yeah, there's no, um, there's no easy way. It wasn't easy to write this, and it's not easy to, um, to read it either. Um, but yeah, King, uh, just to repeat, like age five um, at the time of the murders, so Kinga was stabbed a total of 13 times and the first three wounds were to the front um, with the remaining 10 to her back. And again, you know, following that pattern, 
he is just hell-bent on inflicting as much pain or, or, or um, you know, hurt on, on the people in front of him. Kinga's friend, five-year-old Julia, is next. And despite Damien stabbing her several times, she somehow manages to survive, maneuvering oh, okay. into the hallway. Um, now, Julia, um, it's kind of short-lived, brave move, um, which is punished by a further 16 stab wounds oh. in the hallway. Yeah, so at this point, all three children lay on the floor dead. And Isabella, his wife, has witnessed the whole thing in its entirety. She's unable to do anything to protect or save the children. And, you know, we just ask ourselves, who's next? Yeah, so both Julie and Marta are stabbed inside the flat. And they're stabbed at least three times each inside the property. But we're not actually sure in which order. Um, both make a successful escape from the property together. Um, and that's why we're not sure who who was was stabbed first julia runs into the streets and marta heads to a neighboring house to alert um people to to dial the emergency services so damien catches up with his wife isabella and continues his attack outside now multiple witnesses actually watched this happening from their windows passes by on the street people driving and they thought that Damien was dealing punches to his wife um, but in fact every time he moved towards her body with his fist uh, he was stabbing her so at this stage he's reported to be more enraged than anyone has ever seen him um, and Isabella is just screaming out for help um, finally a 999 call is made at 14.58. So that is eight minutes after the first stabbing took place. Wow. And what about, what about the wife's friend? Yeah, so unfortunately for Marta, she died on the doorstep of the neighboring property, unable to reach anyone to alert the emergency services any sooner. So once satisfied that his wife is laying dead in the streets, Damien calmly returns to his flat. And once he's behind closed doors, he proceeds to slip both his wrists and begins stabbing himself repeatedly in the chest, only giving up when his lung collapses and he falls face down on the floor. Wow. Now police arrive at the scene. Sorry, keep on interrupting you. No, no, no I, I just keep saying, wow. I, I, you know, I really don't like podcasters who, who just make ooh or wow noises all the time, but <laughs> you can't really help it when you're hearing this type of story. Sorry, Rachel, carry on. No, and I, I get that. Um, as I said, I lived here and I'd actually left by the time this, this crime happened, but I did not believe what I was hearing when it broke on the news at the time. Just things like this don't happen. Um, in places like Jersey. So you're absolutely right to be shocked. Okay, so police arrive at the scene shortly after 3 p.m. So that's approximately five minutes after the 999 call has been made. They attend to all the victims, both inside and outside the property, including Damien. Including Damien. Now at the time when the paramedics arrived at the scene, they were on high alert that the murderer could still be um, on the loose at large, I think they call it, um, and attending to the wounded, they were very cautious that their lives were also in danger. 
um, paramedics in Jersey, along with the police, are not set up to deal with kind of mass incidents like this as well. So um, they were really kind of trying their very best to stay calm, attend to the victims at the scene, work out what was going on, keep safe. Um, you know, that, but this was very much out of everyone's kind of like comfort zone um, when it came to attending to a, the scene of a crime. So both Casper and Marek are pronounced dead at the scene by paramedics. That's both um, males pronounced dead. The four remaining female victims and Damien have been taken straight to the local hospital for emergency treatment. However, upon arrival, all four female victims are also pronounced dead at Jersey General Hospital shortly um, or later on the afternoon. So I just wanted to kind of break a minute here and just say for context, until this event on August 14th, 2011, the last murder on record in Jersey was seven years earlier in 2004, and that was a single murder. Jersey is considered to be one of the safest places in the Western world, but in this 15 minute rampage, one man took the lives of six victims. Wow. Yeah. So following life-saving emergency surgery, Damien remains at Jersey General Hospital being treated for his wounds over the next 10 days. He is at this time kept under heavy security guard and under arrest. But following his discharge, he's immediately flown to Broadmoor High Security Hospital in Berkshire for his psychiatric assessment. Now this appears to prove pivotal at the trial a year later. During his time at Broadmoor, he tells psychiatrists that he did not hear voices and that he can recall attacking his father-in-law, picking up the kitchen knives and chasing his wife into the street days earlier. However, Damien would go on to change his story later when being transferred to prison to await trial, claiming that following bouts of depression and heavy drinking, he had in fact heard voices in his head in the run-up on the day to killing his wife. That's convenient. Exactly, exactly. And actually, you know, Rosowski's defense had argued that he was suffering from severe depression and psychotic hallucinations. Like convenience is, is massively the right word because this apparently substantially impaired his responsibility. But without his defense, when he was in the psychiatric assessment center, he was fine. He knew exactly what he was doing. Wow. But yeah, it's like... When you when you first started talking at the beginning, before we found out what he did, like I was thinking, yeah, one common side effect of sleep deprivation is hallucinations, but um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I obviously I don't know, but it just seems quite quite convenient that he he says he's fine, but then almost when. He goes to prison and he sees a difference in conditions possibly between a psychiatric hospital and a category A prison. He suddenly has the symptoms. Exactly. Absolutely. And he's also, you know, he's got defense lawyers who are probably, you know, gearing up for a bit of good press on this piece, um, telling him, you know, you were not well. And, and, you know, fortunately for Damien, the behavior in the run up to the crimes was erratic. He had four weeks earlier attempted suicide, but he was discharged from hospital hours later. 
um, his his wife had confessed that um, she'd had um, a short affair with a man. But yeah, in response to this, Damien went out and um, slept with a sex worker. So, you know, he you could claim that this was erratic behavior for him in the lead up to to him committing these crimes. But um, if your wife has just told you that she's had a um, a two month affair, she's coming to you with this information openly, honestly, um, you know, do you do you try and work it out or do you go on a drunken bender and kind of seek payback? I don't know, like he um, to me, if he's going to go out and pay for the services of a sex worker, he's not. And he's not going to kill that sex worker. You know, he's not going to commit, commit a crime with a complete stranger. Then he's not exactly, you know, got got some some of these issues that I feel his defence are, um, are saying that he suffered from in the run up to the crime. Well, he, he could have suffered from them, but I'm unsure whether they, uh, I mean, he could have suffered from depression, uh, but I'm not sure whether it's a take yeah. I think. Oh, yeah, no, so... and. And sorry, like I, I meant like psychotic hallucinations. I felt oh, like yeah. Yeah. that, that in particular, like, you know. Um, so unfortunately, his defense worked on August the 24th, 2012, a year later, uh, or just over a year later, Damien was in fact cleared of murder. However, he was found guilty of manslaughter through diminished responsibility by a jury at the Royal Court in St. Helier. In a statement, Marta's husband and Julia's father said the verdict was an insult to the victims. He commented, I'm deeply shocked and disgusted at the verdict of manslaughter. I feel that justice has not been done. It is an insult to the victims of this horrendous crime. And following the guilty verdict from the jury, Judge Sir Michael Burt said, the horror and brutality of these killings is hard to believe. Within a quarter of an hour or so, six people had their lives cut cruelly short at the hands of this defendant. So a couple of months later, on the 29th of October, over a year after the deaths of his family members and friends, and two months after his guilty verdict, Damien Rosowski was sentenced to 30 years in prison. The Jersey police commented outside the courts. Today's sentencing is the conclusion to proceedings following the tragic events of August last year here in Jersey. No sentence will ever bring back the loved ones who tragically lost their lives on that Sunday afternoon. Our thoughts and support remain with the families who now continue to try and rebuild their lives. So Damien was set to spend the next 30 years in prison for the murders um, he committed in St. Helier. Was it a... Was fo- it, sorry, I'm cutting you off again, Rachel. I'm, 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 a, I'm a bad co-host, but was it a sentence of 30, 30 years minimum or a 30 year sentence? was a 30-year sentence um so, so like he, with, the, with with a set end yep so he'd be out in two thirds then so roughly 20 years well yeah. so interestingly again i wasn't able to determine whether that was half the sentence or two-thirds or whether he had to serve the full sentence because obviously bearing in mind he got a reduced sentence anyway for not for not having the murder charge so I wasn't quite sure how it how it worked out in that instance. Well, you can you can still get the same as a murder charge or manslaughter, depending on the judge. But um, but yeah, it's it's they normally have, I guess with a with a life sentence, 
it's they always have to say a minimum. Yeah, with a life sentence, they have to say a minimum term. So let's say life with a minimum term of 17 years, for example. But with manslaughter, it's not a minimum term. So it's, oh. I mean, it, it, it's two, it, so it'd be two thirds. So it'd be out after 20 years. Well, provided, obviously, on parole board and whatnot. But, but yeah, so it'd Do be you have to, minimum of would two, you have to two show, thirds. Would he have to show remorse for the killings in order to be subject for parole? Or because it's manslaughter, which he's accepted? You have to show or, that you. Obviously. You have to show that um, not necessarily remorse as such, but you have to show that you're not a danger to society, and you have to meet certain conditions. So, um, please do get in touch if anyone knows more than me. But from what I understand, when it's diminished responsibility, you have to show that you're basically not suffering of the same thing, if that makes sense. Okay. And yeah, you, no, that you, makes complete sense. You understand the crime and why it was wrong and and et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Nice. But they also have victim yeah. impact statements. So, so, I mean, my heart reaches out for, because if I was that man, uh, Marta's husband, mm. the only thing I'd think out every day was, what if I went with them? I could have stopped it. Obviously, yeah. it's not his fault at all, but that would be constantly on my mind. So his victim impact statement, yeah, it, oh, it's, it's even like... It's, he, it's terrible. Yeah, he actually stayed at home with his other daughter. That's what I mean. So I he, he would, think, that's what it well, he'd be thinking. He'd be thinking, what if I went with them? I could have stopped him. But I actually... I don't, and I don't know whether it's because I'm a parent, but I actually thought that he, there might be an ounce of like feeling that he's like, thank God it wasn't all four of us. Like, do, do you know what I mean? I know what you mean, but also I'm, I'm just thinking, obviously we don't know what inside. I mean, no. we, we're lucky enough not to go through it, but you know, I mean, we've all lost people. You, 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 you yeah. tend to think, um, why am I Why wasn't it me? Thing, yeah. 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 No, no, I do get that. I do get that. <sighs> yeah. Every father's worst nightmare though, as well. Mm, and, the fa- yeah. and the fact that a fellow father committed the crime, like. Well, not just a fellow father, a, a friend. This would be his friend. Mm. So not only, obviously it's terrible what happened, but this isn't a, a stranger crime. No. This is yeah, something you know, it'd, it'd be harder to comprehend, it'd be harder to take in because it's not like, well, this person could have been crazy all along. It's this is a yeah. person who I trusted my wife go to the the house with my child. Just to kind of add a little more context as well, he was the the only reason he found out about the 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 that his wife and child had died was that he was he'd heard on the news that there'd been an attack in Victoria Crescent and his wife and child had been due home at 6 p.m and he was calling and calling and calling her mobile and the doctor gave the police the mobile phone and they answered it and obviously the father said you know yeah you'd know straight away and that that's how he found out like you know, not even an opportunity that your wife's been attacked 
come to hospital and that glimmer of hope in in his mind but um but yeah to be kind of informed like because he's calling and some stranger has has answered the call really harrowing um so so yeah Damien was set to spend the next 30 years in prison for the murders in St Helier but unfortunately this story doesn't end here and in 2018 over six years into his 30-year sentence at Her Majesty's maximum security prison Full Sutton in York Damien Rosowski, now aged 37, was found hanging in his cell on the evening of Saturday, the 31st of March. Um, so the uh, court has been adjourned for the official investigation into his death, but the post-mortem was confirmed as a suicide by hanging or death. I, th I can't remember the exact terminology, I'm sorry, but uh, I think it was suicide by hanging. Um, but yeah, the, the court had been adjourned for a full investigation, which was in 2019, um, then postponed due to due to COVID. Um, so still not nothing to report on that front. They have to they have to have these investigations every time there's a, a, a death like that in a prison. So I, I wouldn't expect anything other than what has already been stated in a postmortem. But yeah, they have yeah. To. But you would you would imagine again? I am you know this is purely my speculation on my part. But the man's committed suicide. The, the man has attempted to commit suicide twice, like six years down the line or not. You would imagine he would have been on some sort of no. watch list. No, you wouldn't Do you think. No, definitely not. When you go yeah. into prison, when you go into prison, you get asked uh, various questions, such as like medication, and you get asked like, "Are you?" a danger or do you like do you uh not are you a danger to other people but do you have thoughts of self-harm of suicide and stuff like that but even if he said yes to those you get put on like suicide watch um but even if he said yes to those when he went in he'd been in prison for what six years yeah living his day-to-day -day life in prison he wouldn't still be on that um because if he was still suicidal after six years, he'd, he'd be in a different type of institution. Uh, but so no, he, he he wouldn't be under any type of watch or anything like that. Yeah. Unless it was unless he unless he said he was due to do it as like a fresh statement, if that makes sense. Right. Okay. Yeah. So he had maybe mentioned to a fellow inmate. And somebody had alerted. Well, not an inmate. They don't really care, do they? But, uh, but yeah, an authority figure, yeah. Right. Well, there's no nice way to wrap this particular one up. However, I did want to end with a touching tribute to Kinga, his five-year-old daughter. Her classmates continued to grieve for the friend the father took away a long time after her death. So they created a memorial garden outside the classroom in her memory. And every year, a blossom tree bl blooms in her favourite colour, pink which I personally think is a beautiful way to remember a beautiful little girl. Yeah, it's wonderful, yeah. It's good to it's good to have those memories and it's good to be to see something beautiful and to be reminded of someone that you've you've lost as well. That's a, that's a good way of doing it. Well, yeah, and think about it, those 5-year-olds will not have heard the gruesome end to her life, so they are looking at a beautiful trade in the memory of their ch friend who they just believe is no longer there, like you know. So it is. It's yeah. it's it 
keeps their um you know i guess it's just touching for them and reassuring for them even though like the the crime itself was absolutely horrendous yeah definitely and and well rachel i um I hadn't heard of that one, and that's not where I was expecting. You jumped in with two feet, didn't you? Your first one, I guess I thought we'd maybe have a not-so-serious one. So Nicer crime. Is sorry, there such sorry, a thing sorry. as nice crime? Well, not nice crime, but something where it doesn't involve blood and guts. And the only thing I can say about, uh, sorry, Damien, is it? He Damien, yeah. Usually when you see murder-suicides, which is what this he attempted to do, obviously he mm-hmm. failed because he lived, but usually when you see murder-suicides, when it's planned, so to speak, the the murder side is usually done in as least hassle as possible. So it's usually done when the people or like the family or friends are either asleep or, yeah. or unaware. So that might explain the attacking from behind, but it's still, it, it seems to me like something may have snapped. Uh, and but But it's... But and also, um, I mean, like it's been what twelve years since I finished my degree, so I'm a bit rusty. But I, I seem to remember learning that it's actually very difficult to harm yourself. To so like the way you said he stabbed himself in the, the chest several times, that is actually psychologically very difficult to do because unconscious, unconsciously you stop yourself doing it. If that makes yeah. sense. So yeah, you keep your body out of danger. Yeah, so for him to do that means his adrenaline would have been pumping. It means it may or may not... Have, actually, no, if it was drugs involved, then it would have harmed his defence. So I don't think there would have been drugs involved, but it means that he was... Something that snaps inside. I'm not defending him whatsoever. There's no defence to what yeah. he did, but um, it, it shows that if it was cold and calculated, then he probably would have killed them without his without Marta and her daughter there. And he probably would have done it when maybe they were asleep. That's quite a common occurrence. But to do it in such a manner and the way that he tried to then kill himself, it shows that it was probably not premeditated. I'm I'm speculating here. I don't like to speculate. but um, Yeah. No. And and I get that. And this one was really hard to do because there were no survivors. So, you know, there there was a little bit of... um, you know, adding in, like I, I mentioned, when it came about, you know, I believe this is what happened, or this could have happened. But, you know, it, when you got to the witnesses, you know, they were able to say the man was just enraged. And, and then how calmly he walked back to his flat, the, there was something clearly that had happened. You're absolutely right. Um, because they're two very different states of emotion, right? And yeah. the witnesses witnessed that so um and that was in a matter of of minutes but i i personally believe that he wanted to seek revenge on isabella and he's killed the children and her father before her to make her suffer Yeah. yeah i i don't think personally he wanted to he didn't but he felt that it was necessary like you know, I don't, I don't think he, he set out to kill his children. I think that was the, the job was to inflict as much pain as possible on his wife and, and you know, her last minutes on this earth be as um, horrific as they could be. And uh, the, the fact that, that she had to witness the whole thing would have been 
awful like and you know in a lot of ways um so again something that was reported which i didn't touch on because it it um it wasn't i wasn't quite sure where it happened there were a number of conflicting articles on it but she had dialed 997 Oh. which is the Polish emergency services number. Uh, um, yeah, because that would be an automatic reaction, wouldn't it? Yeah, and the call never connected for obvious reasons. Um, and I, I know this is going to sound pretty awful, but in a lot of ways, it's probably a good thing she didn't survive that attack because, you know, I don't know whether you'd want to live life beyond Exactly. What, what sort of life would you? What sort of life would you had? And even at that point, because I was thinking when you were talking, when you said that she was watching this happen, right? You, some people will be careless out there. Will say, well, why did she try and stop him? Uh, at B, I thought A. Not before we get to B. A, um, she, probably frozen in fear or disbelief. And 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 B, from what I understand from the moment he started to the moment it ended was 13 minutes is that correct is my math right there yeah so, yeah so that's um six people in 13 minutes plus himself mm. i'm so, you can't like that's that's for when you when you're in the middle or something that's a blink of an eye isn't it it's not um yeah. oh wow yeah well so Happy tuesday yeah, sorry guys, sorry to um, rain on your parade. Thank God it's not Shrove Tuesday. That would be savage if you were trying to tuck into some pancakes and you heard this. Um, listen, I just wanted to um, ask how it was at the end, like switching up roles this time, Andrew. Do you know what? I really enjoyed it. I, I mean, I enjoyed Good. it because uh, I enjoyed not knowing what was coming and I I felt bad every time I was interrupting you because I felt I just wanted to listen. But um, But no, it was... I think you did well, Rachel. These people don't want to hear me giving you platitudes, <laughs> but but I enjoyed it. I think your your very first script, I mean, my very first script wasn't very good, which is why you can't find episode one available to download now. Because oh, um, but, I liked so, it. Well, yeah, but um, but you know, I, I I look forward to your your next one, Rachel. Nice, nice. Well, listen, I just wanted to say thank you so much for the opportunity to write and present the episode. I really did actually have a lot of fun once I got going. Um, I was definitely nervous to get it done, but what an experience. So I really hope that our listeners also enjoyed it as much as I did. And one plea for feedback, let me know, let us know, let Andrew know what you think, uh, the good and the bad. It'll, It'll all help. As we as we grow and develop, I just think we're missing one last thing, aren't we, Rachel? We are, we are. And so, for one last time today, I'd like you all to relax, close your eyes, and picture the scene: that warm summer sun beating down on you, your belly full of food, and a smile on your face from a fortnight well spent with family. But suddenly, in the blink of an eye, it all goes horribly wrong. What do you do as tragedy unfolds right before your eyes? That's it. Thanks, guys. Thank you, everyone. And and before we disappear, if you're still listening to it right now at the very end, congratulations. Um, I'm going to give you a little clue on what the next case will be. We'll, be. we'll be heading off to Argentina for the next case because we've had a very dedicated 
listener who I'm not going to mention her name in case she doesn't want me to, but she has been here since episode one. Gives me feedback, lets me know how we're doing. So uh, she's from Argentina, so I thought I would do one in honor of, of hers to say thank you. So next time oh, nice. we're going we're gonna to look at an obscure case from Argentina. And maybe before then, we can check if she wants a shout out. Yes, I'll reach out and ask. Cool. All right. Look forward to it. So thank you, everyone, and goodbye. Bye.